basis last year. Now, even with the election in 2020, we see even more need uh, because of the actions taken during the election in 2020 and since. And all the more need not just for H.R. 4, but for H.R. 1, now S. 1, uh, in the Senate. Uh, the suppression of the vote uh, is, is not only the suppression of the vote, the nullification of elections that they are putting forth. That's not happening. It is continued propaganda from Speaker Pelosi. H.R. 4 is the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, which doesn't actually advance voting rights. But that wasn't the only thing that the House passed yesterday. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Tony Katz, $3.5 trillion in non-infrastructure infrastructure passed the House on a party line vote 219 to 212. Actually, I think it was 220 to 212. Uh, Congresswoman Victoria Sparks joins us right now from the Indiana 5th. Full disclosure, my Congresswoman uh, joins us now. You watched this happen. You're part of the 212 Republicans who voted no on this measure. We'll get to voting in just a, a, a moment. I think the question that Speaker Pelosi would ask you is, why is it that you're not in favor of helping with the infrastructure of the nation? Well, I'll tell you something, Tony. I do want to help with the infrastructure. The challenge we have right now, you know, if you think about it, I put some numbers on my Twitter account just to simplify. We collected $3.5 trillion. That's what all the revenue collection from taxes. Three and a half trillion, it goes on the mandatory spending. That everything is above, it goes to our debt. So right now, in the previous budget, we have 1.5 trillion. Now we're increasing to 3.5 plus infrastructure, plus COVID relief and a lot of other things. So this is not just spending. This is like spending gone wild. The tweet that you have uh, out there is a rough look at annual spending. If revenues are three and a half trillion and expenditure is seven to fourteen trillion, the deficit is somewhere between three and a half trillion and ten and a half trillion dollars. What we have seen, and we've certainly seen this from Republicans too, Congresswoman, is that you know the difference between Democrats and Republicans is that Democrats spend and Republicans spend slower. But spending certainly is the issue. But this three point five trillion isn't about infrastructure in the slightest, yet it is sold in this way. What were centrist Democrats saying, and why in the end did they go along with this plan? Well, I think, you know, they put enormous pressure on some of the centrist Democrats who want to pass infrastructure bills. You know, and they want progressives are forcing to them to vote at the same time on $3.5 trillion budget and infrastructure at the same time, because it's 3.5 plus another trillion. You know, and then centrist Democrats feel that infrastructure should go first. So they have that debacle. Now they agreed that the vote on infrastructure is going to happen before the end of September. Progressives are still, which hundreds, you know, progressive caucus has hundreds of members saying that they're not be willing to vote unless the reconciliation is done in the Senate. So they're going to have a big fight. And then there's going to be another fight with that ceiling that, you know, to be able to really, you know, to 
spend so much money, we'll have to significantly increase that ceiling. And if you saw 46 you know, senators already committed not to help with this crazy stuff, and we're working on the letter, I'll be part of it. The House Republicans, most of us are not going to be helping them, and that's going to be a tough situation out there. Give me your hit list on this infrastructure bill, the $3.5 trillion, never mind the $1.2 trillion that is supposedly bipartisan. Let's start with the $3.5 trillion that they want to get through the Senate via reconciliation, budget reconciliation, which would mean no vote uh, in terms of having to get through cloture. You can just do the 50 votes. You don't need Republicans to pass it. What is your hit list? What are your top three things that you have, uh, Representative Sparks, that are wrong with this $3.5 trillion bill? Well, I think one thing calling it infrastructure, you know, you confuse me too, Tony, calling it infrastructure because it is not an infrastructure. You know, this is 3.5 trillion of government programs. You know, about 1 trillion goes to the military that they didn't increase, which is really a fair statement to say the first thing we need to do, we don't, even if we cannot cut spend, let's just freeze it, let's just not increase. But now they're adding more social welfare programs. Well, it all sounds great. But every program we already have is extremely expensive and bankrupt. How can you add more programs when you don't have the money to pay for what you have? And then we have this big debate that maybe not everyone needs to waste a lot of money to go to college and accumulate a lot of debt. Now we have more money that we're going to be teaching our kids to read for 20 years. So we have more college money going to the so-called community college. All of these different issues, you know, with kindergarten and everything else and, you know, daycare, it's all great. But what we need to sit down and say what we are spending right now is enormous amount of money. You know, I would calculate Department of Child Services spend 50 grand per child. I said everyone can go per year. You can send people to Harvard Business School. You know, all of these programs are extremely expensive. So first we need to sit down and say, okay, number one thing, let's just freeze out spending. Not cut. Let's just have a discussion. Not increase. Let's just freeze it for now and discuss what we're going to do before we add new programs. And this all 3.5, it's really, to be honest with you, it's going to be way more because it's just a start. Every program starts as a smaller number and at the end is going to add enormous amount of debt and expenditures. And we just, can't, we just I mean, it just doesn't have any common sense. Talking to Congresswoman Victoria Sparks, 5th District of Indiana. Uh, the other part of this is a $1.2 trillion bill that got through the Senate, quote-unquote, bipartisan bill, as people like to call it. Where is the House on this if they haven't already moved on it, and where were you on it? Well, I think, you know, the infrastructure bill, the real tangible infrastructure, if Democrats would really want to work with us, there is, can be fine compromise, because we need to find, you know, solutions to invest in infrastructure, long-term assets, to have a rural broadband I mean, access to high-speed Internet access, we agree on that. I think $1.2 trillion is actually expensive. We can do it for much less. And that's something we can agree on. And I think if Democrats would really want to negotiate with us, we would, you know, we would go along with it. There are some Republicans that agree to this $1.2, just sort of like less of an evil, you know, and they say, you know, we'll vote for this, and, you know, then we don't have 35 done right but i think they're going to have both of them they're pushing both so we're talking about almost five trillion spending on top of everything that we already have because people don't understand we already have 3.5 mandatory spending it's already on the books we don't even vote on that stuff so all of this money on top go on top of 3.5 trillion of mandatory spending 
And then we talk about COVID relief. I mean, in, in this and last year, $6 trillion. But you're this talking about an overall number, all right? And I understand that you're discussing an overall number. I'm asking on this $1.2 trillion, is there anything in there that you think is worthwhile? Is there anything in there that gets your vote? Well, I think, you know, broadband is good. Invest in road and bridges. Look in the, you know, water infrastructure. I don't think, you know, there is a lot of goes to public transit. It's very expensive. So a lot of money will go to real large cities. And I think a lot of these public transportation issues, you know, they're very expensive. And I think they should be dealt at the state level. And I think that's not federal government, not, you know, to subsidize because it's ultimately people from Indiana are subsidizing people in New York. And I think that is New York's responsibility or people in California. They shouldn't be subsidized by Indiana taxpayers. So it's very tilted to a lot of money going to big cities the way how it's written right now. If you would eliminate some of the pieces and actually look in the tangible infrastructure, you probably can cut half of that bill. And I think Republicans and Democrats could agree on that. We can repurpose some COVID money because a lot of them are getting wasted right now. So that could be done, but they're not planning to negotiate with us. I think there is no desire from the Speaker to negotiate with Republicans. That much is true. Talking to Congresswoman Victoria Sparts of the Indiana 5th. You brought up Indiana. You have the Indiana Secretary of State, Holly Sullivan, regarding H.R. 4, which is this John Lewis Voting Rights Act that just passed the House. You have her saying uh, H.R. 4 is an unprecedented overreach of federal power over local elections. H.R. 4 seeks to require states to get federal preapproval for voting rights laws, a practice that the U.S. Supreme Court has already stated has limits. I urge the Senate to reject this legislation. It passes the House of Representatives. Your take on how you would explain it. This one passed 219 to 212. You tell me how you explain it to your constituents. What is the problem with the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act? As with every other bill that Democrats are passing right now, it's further centralization of federal government and federal control. And if you know, that is the first start how any socialist system, a communist system starts. You know, you can, if you read Hayek before, that is the most dangerous government that are centralized and have enormous amount of power. It can completely eliminate states, right, and give more power to deceive bureaucrats. And if this, I'm just telling you, these people live in the bubble. You really do not want to give the power to these people, and a lot of people have a bad agenda out there. But it takes states' rights on the election, and everyone now will have to prove it through deceit. I mean, we have so much centralization of power, control, and spending that I was just saying, I mean, I kind of was joking in some ways, but it you know, reminds me, like, you know, what happened in our country we're going to be soon as a Soviet Union, where everyone is centralized planning from Washington, D.C. And I said the only difference between Soviet Union and the United States is that actually there you have to work to get government money or you go to jail. We incentivize people not to work. I mean, and that is real bad, too, for the people. So, I mean, this is awful what's happening. And this is we are on the collision course if we don't stop Democrats. Let us talk about one other subject that has been overtaking all of this, which is, of course, Afghanistan. And uh, there have been Democrats very critical of Joe Biden, a fellow congressman of yours, Jason Crow of Colorado, saying there's no way for the United States to meet uh, the deadline of withdrawal in Afghanistan. You have uh, Adam Schiff, who I have no uh, real like for at, at all, saying he doesn't see how everybody can get out. 
we are clearly looking at leaving Americans behind, and there are, are Americans and certainly Afghanis behind what I refer to as the Taliban line, unable to get to the airport in Kabul. If Americans are left behind, Congresswoman, what will be the response from congressional Republicans? What will be their response to Joe Biden and his job as president? Well, I think uh, President Biden put us all in a very difficult situation. He was driven by his political talking points, put lives of our military people, of our citizens at risk, and put our country in a very dangerous situation. And that is even even some Democrats now kind of fed up with that. And it was interesting to see it was the first time where none of them defended him and some actually were attacking him because this was extremely bad miscalculation, bad decisions. And now it puts us in a tough spot because his deadlines are unfeasible, they're unrealistic. He never had to do that. He never had a plan. Now we're risking people's life, open up our country to, you know, to a lot of potential dangers. So I think Congress will have to deal with that. And ultimately, Congress will have to probably investigation, look at what's happened and what, how decisions were made. But I really, in the short term, we need to figure out how to deal with protecting American citizens. And I think that is probably the first time in history where our leader of the country abandoned his people, U.S. citizens, in the foreign country. Usually, a country comes for you. country will do anything to save American life matter. It's not like in communist, socialist countries at all, you know. It's all statistic, right? Lives of millions is statistics. You know, it's no, not individual life doesn't matter. We are the country where every individual American life matters. That was the first time I've seen such a neglect to the American lives, and that is very bad, and that it is very disturbing to me. I asked this question of one of uh, your, uh, part of your delegation, I asked it to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana Third, I'm going to ask it to you, is impeachment on the table? Well, I think we're going to have discussion, you know, what really needs to happen, and I think, you know, I don't think anything is going to happen on the Democrats, but I think we're going to investigate, you know, it has to you know, there is a level of, you know, of, uh, you know, harm that you create and commit a crime that is raised to that level. So I think based on investigation, we should decide. I know that some people will file and be filing probably article soon, but I think we need to be careful before we decide to kind of throw this impeachment and go through drama. I think if that is really based on investigation, it warrants to file these articles, you know, maybe we should. I think it's not going to happen on the current Speaker of the House, but hopefully, at least, you know, we have some investigation happening now because a lot of House Democrats are very upset. So hopefully they will be on board with us to look what's happening and then we can decide. We don't need to rush with article of impeachment. There are other ways we can deal with situations, but if based on that it warrants, you know, it might come to that. By the way, just so we're clear, I, I did have Congressman Banks on. That's not the question I asked him. I asked that of Senator Todd Young. Just just for clarity's sake, I want to make sure I, I said uh, that right. <laughs> Congresswoman Victoria Sparks, the Indiana 5th District, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz.